Hello, and welcome back to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we talk about all things TV. I'm Jenny, and clearly with me here today is Jess. Uh, kind of boiling because it's a thousand degrees outside. And my AC is broken. Yeah. Um, if you hear any, you know, white noise, it's because there's a fan on behind me and also possibly just like random people driving past with their windows open playing loud, loud music because it's that kind of time of year. Um, we love West Philly. Yeah. Anyway, how are you, Jess? I'm other than very hot at the current moment. I'm good. I just read some interesting news that pertains to the TV world. Like literally seconds before we got on. Hey, that's what we talk about. Breaking news now. It's probably not breaking when people listen to this, though. I just I just thought of that. It'll be like two days late. (laughs) (laughs) But that is okay. So the email I just got, HBO Max finally announced what they're doing in terms of the discovery situation, which had been long up in the air. Hypothesized how they were gonna handle the merger with Discovery. So HBO Max is becoming Max. It's just it's just going to be called Max, and it's rolling in. The email said Discovery Favorites, so I don't know. I didn't look into it enough to know if that's like the whole Discovery catalog that is going to be basically merged with the HBO Max catalog or if it's just certain items from the Discovery catalog or not. But it'll be, as of right now, the same price and the same access. I think you might need to download another app, but supposedly the same like login and your profile is the same and your watch history is the same, but then there's just a new name and more things. So, I mean, it doesn't sound bad. If they make me download a new app that just says Max when they could have just changed, like I'm I'm going to be a little peeved, but yeah, that sounds fine. I do wonder why we have to download a new app. I mean, I say that, but I also worked in tech and I like, I get it, but it's, it's easier just to like create a new thing and yeah. Yeah. And it's fine. We're going to have to change all of our newsletters and remember on the podcast going forward to not say hbo max but i wonder how that works man i really should have i couldn't have researched this more because i literally (laughs) saw it seconds before but i wonder how that works with like hbo because up to now okay so like shows can be hbo shows and then they get released on hbo max but hbo is still like um a cable network yeah you can access through cable so i assume that's still HBO, and that those shows will then just be available on Max. I think I just answered my question. I think actually really nothing changes other than HBO Max not being called Max. I listened to an interview with one of the creative directors, I want to call it. I could be butchering the title. It doesn't matter because I can't even remember his name. But um, some guy who was in charge, he was kept referring to HBO Max as just Max on the thing. And then the people that were interviewing mentioned it. Is this ringing any bell? Did you also listen to this interview? No. Oh, okay. But that's interesting. Yeah, this was weeks ago, and they were talking about. Yeah, he just kept saying, referring to HBO Max as Max, and I thought it was just like easy shorthand. But I guess it is. It's been in the works oh, for a little did while. They call him out for that? No, they just remarked. What if they got in trouble for that? I mean, you can't. It like seems like just he shorthand. Wasn't supposed to do that. It seems like just shorthand for HBO Max. No, but I don't mean he could. I don't mean it's right that it got in trouble, but I feel like that's a thing that the corporate world would be like. That was a confidential name change. <laughs> yeah, I love the like bro that. voices we just both took on. It's. I mean, you know, it's a it's a table of old men. Hopefully, so. not so much anymore. Had to be that way. The like naming of streaming services, I feel like, has been interesting field to see uh develop like peacock 
I feel like was a good choice, just choosing something completely different. I get that Netflix didn't come from a another network originally, so they had kind of a leg up there. But I do think HBO Max, like, yeah, maybe they got the clout from having their HBO name from anyone who didn't know. But I feel like early on, they probably could have just named their streaming service something different. The same way. I think they were HBO Go before they were HBO Max. Oh my Max. God, I forgot about that era. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I actually remember when I had to download a new app. Man, HBO's made me download <laughs> a new app before, and they're going to make me do it again. That's annoying. And I think there's HBO Now. Whatever Bear with HBO me. Now is that's another. Wait, wait, app. I'm going to take us down a really quick memory lane. Do you remember when we went to go visit my brother in Boston? When we were in high school, I think, and we watched Girls, and then we watched X. Yes, we did, and I yes, think I we watched it on the HBO Now app. <laughs> Dude, it's this or is one go. of those like weird oh, shared know. memory things because every time I think about the HBO Go app, I think about being in being on your brother's sofa bed watching girls and being like, I think I hate this. And then we watched X. Yep. Like literally, that is also the memory oh, that I get triggered when I hear HBO Go. <laughs> That's really weird, actually. Yeah. I like I knew what you were about to say before you even said it. That's really wild. Funny. Well, HBO Go, <laughs> you have a place in our hearts. Right? Honestly, that's pretty special. But yeah, I think that the real the real news here is just that it's not going to be more expensive and you're also going to get discovery like stuff. So, we will see. I don't really know anything that's on discovery. So, I can't say I'm particularly jazzed about the news, but it is news. I have another thing before we go into TV. I saw Renfield the movie with Nicolas Cage as Dracula and Nicholas Holt as Renfield, his like slave assistant person. Uh, I saw that on Monday and it was really fun, actually. Was it funny? Yeah, it was. It was like a dark comedy, a blend of horror and comedy mm-hmm. and action. It definitely was funny. I don't think like all the jokes landed, but yeah, it was fun. It was funny. It wasn't really like horror centric even though there were horror elements, it's very, very gory, mm. very gory and very violent. But it's it's like stylized action. So okay. it's like over the top and like almost really silly. But there's a lot of blood just as a warning. Again, I don't know that – or I don't know if I said this yet, but I don't know that people need to spend $20 to go see this in the theater. But oh, I certainly It's a fun one once be. it comes out on streaming. <laughs> no, I figured not. <laughs> I do like Nicholas Holt. And, you know, he's so good in this movie. I'm really excited – uh, for the great to come back in May, which Nicholas Holt is in that. You've ha- have you seen that? I still haven't okay, seen yeah. it. I think I'd like it. I gotta watch I it. You would too. Is that Apple TV? No, Hulu. It's Apple TV. Oh, huh. It has a uh, Elle Fanning, yep. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. I'm yeah. very excited. But anyway, I I guess I haven't seen Nicholas Cage in anything since <laughs> National Treasure. So I don't know that I had either. Honestly, he he seems to be exactly. <laughs> acting the way you'd expect him as like a wacky Dracula in a horror comedy. I think they just let him do whatever he wanted. It's very, it's very, it's Nicolas Cage in like the meme mm. way. You know what I mean? Of like, he's just a weird guy. Yeah. But Nicolas Holt is like actually really good in it. And Ben Schwartz is in it. Jean Ralphio. Oh. So I was psyched about that. Cool. Because he's, I love him. Yeah. Oh, Aquafina is in it too. Wow. Yeah, there was like a bunch of people in it that I like didn't know were in it. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I kept hearing people refer to the Nicolas Cage Dracula movie, um, and to, I'm I'm glad that you said that it's funny because at first I thought it was supposed to be a serious endeavor, 
like Nicolas Cage was just seriously considering himself Dracula. Like it was going to be like a scary, serious movie. And that worried me a little bit, but I'm glad to hear that's not the case. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. It's not trying to be serious. It's not really trying to be scary. So it's like, if you want, uh, what did it remind me of? Violent Night, which I'm sure you didn't see, but (laughs) it has a guy from Stranger Things. Christmas-based movie. Yeah, it's another like action comedy based in Christmas time where, yeah, it like Santa ends up, uh, it's an, it's just another like over the top action one that's like also funny. Uh, anyway, so people who liked that, you might like this. We could move on to TV unless you've been doing anything fun in the last what three days since we've spoken. Yeah, no, nothing fun. Do you want to begin? What's your what's top of mind in your TV list? Uh, I do. I definitely want to catch up with you about shrinking because last we spoke, I had some negative things to say. I feel like I caught some flack from some listeners, definitely from you, that I or I don't know, just some insistence that I needed to try it again. And I did sit down and watch the rest of the episodes. I think I'd only watched maybe two or three and I watched, I think there are 10. So I watched seven more episodes. Uh, and now, yeah, I, I guess I understand what you were saying where the the last seven episodes start to move away from Jason Siegel's character in a way that I did like. Um, but I'm still not like in love with the show. I didn't hate every second of watching. It's not like I had to drag myself through it, but I'm just like not, I don't know. I just, I'm not as enamored with it as it seems like maybe people want me to be. I don't need you to be like, that was the best thing I've ever seen, but I didn't hate every second of it is an extremely <laughs> low bar that I was yeah, pretty sure we were nowhere near. So I guess it's more like, I don't know. Didn't you think like Harrison Ford, like they started centering him more and he's so good in this role. Yeah. Let me, did you, did you appreciate that? I love Harrison Ford's part in this. I wish, I think I said this in a previous podcast. I wish the show had been centered on him instead of Jason Siegel's character from the beginning. But I feel like they started to more in the last like few episodes, especially. Sure. I just mean like, it's clearly a show, at least they build it as a show that is about Jason Siegel and his life. And because Harrison Ford's character is like a satellite and a part of Jason Siegel's life, he gets his own portion. Do you know? But I but I wanted his story to be a plot all the time. Or not all the time, but like start out as a plot and be the, the anchor. Yeah. I think I made this analogy maybe in a past episode, or maybe it was about a different show, but it works here too. Like in the beginning of New Girl, the first few seasons of New Girl are like all Jess and then yeah the the supporting characters are there because Jess is the main character Mm -hmm. and everyone's funny but Jess is arguably the least funny and least likable she's like a straight man but not actually (laughs) like she's very quirky and goofy I think she's supposed to be funny it's just it doesn't doesn't work well, I should no, I shouldn't say that I ended up liking her anyways this isn't about New Girl (laughs) the point is I wanted the show to be less Jess, less Zoe Deschanel's character in the first few seasons. And then by like season five, four and five, like it really was. Jess was just one of the characters. So I'm hoping to make a long explanation short. I'm just hoping that over time, maybe even as soon as next season, Shrinking does that, does what New Girl did to Jess. What Do, do that to Jason Siegel. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be the right move. That would be definitely the right direction. Because, okay, I, I found my notes for um, – the last bit of shrinking. So for seven episodes, I only have three notes. That's 
it's just like a, I don't know, I guess nothing super crazy to say. Uh, Harrison Ford and his daughter storyline is the most touching. I feel like there are a lot of parts of this series that make you, that are supposed to tug at your heartstrings. It's, it's trying to do the classic, like one, two punch. It's comedy. Then it's sad. Then it's comedy. And you, you're hit with emotions on all sides. The only time that's really, really worked for me is, uh, with the Harrison Ford and his daughter scenes. So that's that. I don't know if you have any response to that before I... I think that's just a matter of like what you relate to versus what other people relate to because I thought those scenes were nice, but they don't stick out to me as like the main heartwarming or the main effective ones. For me, it was the one, like everything about grief. So like Jason Segel dealing with grief, his daughter dealing with grief, like those all, all of that was much more effective for me. But like I've dealt with that and not in the exact same way, but it was more relatable for me. I think that's probably why that stuck out to me more. I, in their personal dealings with grief, I agree with you, but I mean, I mean like two characters with one another, those heartwarming portions. Like I, I totally agree with you with uh, the daughter whose name I can't remember right now and Jason Siegel's character dealing with the grief of the passing of their wife and mother respectively. But the two of them having their moments. Maybe it's just that I don't like, like maybe it's just a Jason Siegel problem. But I do think like the the moments with the two of them, like reconciling their differences or remembering the mom together just don't do as much for me. And I guess that's what I was contrasting. Oh, I think that's a you problem. No, I really li- like, I like the scenes with both of them and mm. I think all of that works really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, also the yeah. Anyway, I'll move on for that. Um, yeah. Okay. My next note is Siegel's daughter is freaking annoying. <laughs> so I guess it is just like a character. Oh, I love her. I don't know what this oh, is about. Man. There was one particular scene I should have been more specific, but I was probably doing something else at the time and just wrote down that something she was doing was annoying. Uh, She's so funny and cool. Like I wish I were that cool as a 17-year-old. <laughs> I would never have been. She's just – no, I don't know. And it's also – it, there are parts of it, especially in the early episodes, that annoy me, like the things she says and does, because they don't seem realistic. Mm-hmm. But then over time, I got, I guess, more used to that character. And I don't know. I think she, that actress does such a good job with the, I don't know, the nuances of like wanting to be an adult, but also being like a bitchy little teen girl. Mm-hmm. And I just, I I don't know. I love a teen girl character. I mean, I think teens are supposed to be annoying. It's, like, yeah, I think that's. She definitely has annoying like moments on purpose. Yeah. Uh, and then the song, oh, this is a, a nitpicky note that is not really about the show at all, but I just thought it was funny. In I think the last episode, or maybe second to last episode, when Jason Siegel and daughter character are doing the listening party, which they've mentioned in the past, and he's excited because like she's sharing a new song with him like they used to do as a family. Um, and she talked about her team getting really hype over it about like listening to the song on the way to games or something. Yeah. And her friend Summer getting so hyped that she crushed a bottle of Gatorade. The song is just like not Gatorade crushing hype worthy in my humble opinion. It's not a bad song. What was song. the song? I don't remember. Uh, I wrote down the time code, but I didn't look up the song. I'm sorry for my bad uh, preparation, mm-hmm. but it's bad notes. if anyone wants to look, I'll, maybe I'll insert it here. I wrote, it's like a summer beach rave montage at best. It's not like crush water bottle on head. I'm hype. 
feel like I remember music. having this same thought. I cannot remember what the song is, but I think I had the same thought. It's ringing a bell. It was just such like a weird thing for her to say about that song that I, yeah, got out my phone and wrote down the note. Fair. Do you have any other notes or may I say a thing? Those are all of my notes. You may say. I think the best part of the show, other than Harrison Ford, is Jessica Williams and Krista what the heck's her name? Krista Miller. They're the neighbor and his colleague. Their friendship and their dynamic is my favorite. They're so funny together. I do like them a lot. I have like, again, I, I'm i so nitpicky. It's a sitcom. So I think it's fine. And I think I'll like it even more as I get further away from this these first episodes in the first season. Um, but their friendship seemed so quick and like forced no i agree with that part okay yeah the the setup of it was but not then, great but then i liked it so it was fine. right i'm no it was like all of a sudden they were best friends and i was like huh? yes but then i was like oh i love it <laughs> <laughs> i i would have liked it better if there was a little bit more of the gradual turn to friendship and it feel, felt more organic but yes i agree i do really like their dynamic together it just hard it's hard for me to separate the fact that they <laughs> like didn't know each other a second ago but eh. no i also feel like this season should have been like a 22-episode show. Mm. Like they could do more like of a normal sitcom thing rather than like a Ted Lasso comedy sort of thing, I think, with the show based on, I don't know, these characters and the setup of there's always kooky characters in therapy that yeah. like have funny stories. Like I feel like it could have been more of a typical ensemble comedy with like kooky character of the week. Yeah. And I would have liked that because I like being with all these characters. I could just watch them be around each other. Far be it for me to say that I don't like the fact that a show has a really short season, but I totally agree. I think – I don't know. I think I, I think this latest season of Ted Lasso should also have been longer, but I know that's not their thing. Anyway, yeah, totally agree. You wanted this season of Ted Lasso to be longer? I This current season. I think – I may have mentioned this in our last podcast – if they were going to stick with all of the plot lines that they have. Oh, you want shorter episodes and a longer season. Or just like, I don't know, something about how that's working is not working. <laughs> but yeah. 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 I think I'm just having too much of an issue <laughs> so far with this season. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. I don't know. I, my thing about Ted Lasso was that it was always the perfect length because it wasn't yeah, really now. an ensemble comedy. It was a comedy, but it was it – is it's very much a dramedy, but in – 30 minute form until this mm -hmm. season but i feel like shrinking didn't have to really be that format yeah it's it just what they're anyways, comfortable with it seems like that. but i agree yeah the bill lawrence brett goldstein duo yep yep uh i don't think i have anything else to say about shrinking i still i think yeah I, i'll watch probably the second season unless i forget in which case eh, it's fine <laughs> i think Shrinking is probably my third favorite show of the year so far. Wow. Yeah. So that's a bummer that you didn't like it more, but it is what it is. Indeed. What else? What else is on my list? Um, I could talk about my number one favorite show of the year so far. Oh, yeah. Do it. Lay it on me. If we want to move on to my list of things that you haven't seen yet. <laughs> sure. Which I think is everything else at this point. No. Um, I We both watched Transatlantic. Oh, we could talk about Transatlantic. Do that. <laughs> sure. If uh, it's can short. you tell I'm not enthused? Oh, you don't like it? It was fine. I watched one episode. Let's tell people what it's about. So it's on Netflix. 
stars Gillian Jacobs from Community. It's a historical fiction. It's based on a book, a historical fiction book about a rescue operation of Americans that are trying to get refugees out of France during World War II. So I watched the first episode very much knowing this is not my normal type of content. Like mm-hmm. it's not my not my favorite type of show, a period drama. It was fine. I feel like you probably have more to say. I don't. I thought it was okay. I don't. I don't feel compelled to keep watching it. Honestly, uh, I am going to keep watching it because it is more my brand. But I don't have that much to say about the first episode. I think I'll have to watch a few more before I make any like, true opinions before they, they set in. But yeah, I think I thought it was fine. Uh, I'm still not buying Gillian Jacobs as this character. I'm a little confused i thought that was just me no i don't think it works at all like she really took me out of it yeah i don't think it's just because of her iconic community character i think her delivery is a little weird for this era and for this just like style of tv show i keep waiting for it to be funnier or i don't know i don't know what the yeah but so far it's not working for me i thought that too i was like well am i just imagining britta and that's my problem. But I don't think I don't think it is. And like the costumes and the hair are all right. It's like the mannerisms and the vocal the affectations. Uh, the, whatever are, she's yeah. doing with her voice, which is nothing. She's doing nothing with her voice, which feels wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like somebody should have coached her, directed her in a different direction. Maybe less 2023 American and more 1940 whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was really bothering me. And I'm concerned that the subplot that they're starting to build with her and one of the other characters is would would start to annoy me in a show that I feel like should be not about that. Mm. Anyway, people who haven't watched won't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I just was a was a little confused. It felt like tonally a little bit of a mess. I think it's such a somber. It's obviously such a somber time period and a somber topic that having these like light moments of like basically like ro- rom-com or like romance that's just like not not it in a show like this i i don't think i might i mean again i don't have any like concrete feelings to the contrary right now but i do think that a lot of the appeal of of these older like historical dramas are the i say interpersonal relationships but that often goes to i mean hopefully not rom-com but you know romantic uh, entanglements and just like otherwise the the whole just like people forming relationships so I don't know I'm not as I, turned off by that I, aspect not yet at least yeah I get I get that and that makes sense in a normal like period drama I just think with this specific subject matter I couldn't wrap my head around like those two things being mm. intertwined but also I don't watch this type of thing normally so yeah maybe I'm I'm the silly one. Not silly. Just <laughs> don't like it very much. Not not into it. Let us know how it ends up being. I will. I, I have one more comment. It's just that Lucas Englander – wow, I said his name really weird. Um, one of the – he plays one of the Jewish refugees in the first episode. I kept seeing him and seeing BJ Novak, just like flashes of BJ Novak. I don't know if that was just huh, me. I didn't think he looked like BJ Novak. I'll send you a picture. But I also didn't know him. Is he from other things? Uh, not to my or knowledge. did you just write down his name? Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. I I can picture him in my head. I don't I don't think he looks like BJ Novak, but. Just wait till you see this picture. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and talk about the thing that I almost started talking about because I am dying to tell you about it. Okay. I watched all ten episodes of the new Netflix series Beef, starring Ali Wong and Steven Yun. It's a dark comedy from A24, which is the same production company behind Everything Everywhere All at Once and a bunch of other great stuff. And it, I think, is my favorite show of the year. Okay, that does look like BJ Novak. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Wow, not when I was about to like monologue about the best show ever. I wasn't expecting you to be looking at the page when it um. Yeah, I've got my notes pulled up. It's, yeah, Jenny just dropped a picture in our shared notes on Notion <laughs> of the man that she said looked like BJ Novak, and he does, in fact, in this picture, look like BJ Novak. Vindicated. Back to my thing. Yeah, I've heard. I said the show name, right? It's called Beast. Yes. I've heard excellent things. Okay. I had not heard how you felt about oh God, it, but it I'm glad to hear you agree. So good. It was it was so good. It was not it didn't take top spot of the year until the last two episodes. Ooh, intriguing. So if you're gonna watch it, just know that. Like if you're on episode four and you're like, huh, yeah, it's good, but it's not like great, just hang in there. I I will say it is bingeable. It's ten episodes, they're thirty minute episodes. Mm. It's a lot though. Like I don't think I could have watched that in one sitting, and I didn't. It's very dark, very depressing, even though there are moments of humor and there are, like, zinger one-liners. There are definitely things that are laugh-out-loud funny and lots of other things that are just sort of, you know, generally humorous amidst the dark, the dark, serious stuff. But it's it's a lot. It's not – it's much more <laughs> the dark part than the comedy part in the dark comedy genre mm. and what else Ali Wong and Steven Yeun love both them. deserve Emmys for this for this show I mean I've Steven Yeun especially I mean I love Ali Wong and she's always excellent and maybe it's that I didn't really know Steven Yeun before but holy shit he was so good like um I can't even I have no words for how exceptionally talented he is I think both Intuka and Birdie. I mean, I know Ali Wong is, but I think Stephen yeah, yeah, Yun yeah. is. No, they're. Okay. Yes. And they play. Does he play yeah, Freckle? Yeah, so Netflix canceled that, didn't they? Uh, I only know they're in that because I have read a lot of Speckle. stuff about beef. I've never seen it. I said, I called him Freckle, Haven't but his name Tuka is Speckle. Okay, but that's. I read. I heard on an NPR interview, or maybe they were just talking about beef, where they were also saying it was very good. Uh, and they said, like, this is, I can't believe this is the first thing you guys have worked on together. And in my head, I was like, it's not. Haven't they done Two Gun Pretty? Oh, and they didn't get corrected? I don't think so. It's kind of awkward. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I guess it's, first it's so live good. action. I don't know what else I can say without giving away... I think it's better if you just sort of go in knowing nothing. You can basically know that they play two strangers that end up entangled in each other's lives after getting into a road rage incident. Mm -hmm. That's like the log line. So I can I can tell that to you. It's it happens in the first five minutes. Like I'm not giving anything away. Everything else that happens, like it escalates, it gets crazier and crazier. Like I said, the last two episodes are so wild and chaotic and amazing. Just yeah, I don't want to say I don't want to say anything else. Honestly, just. Just watch the whole thing. Everybody listening, I feel so strongly about this. Content warning for sure. It's dark. It's mm. depressing. Don't go in expecting like to laugh out loud a whole bunch. Expect something dark that you will also sometimes have a smile at. But yeah, it's, it's sort of – I think it's about both 
millennial existentialism and the immigrant experience. And while I cannot relate to the immigrant experience, I can relate to millennial <laughs> existentialism. And even the way they have like these 90s, early 2000s songs at the end of every episode, like I just, I think, I feel like the millennials were being targeted with this show. So I don't know if it'll hit so well with other generations, but my mom liked it. So maybe. I have a question that is only based on your description. And also, maybe this NPR interview that I'm referencing, is it at all similar to the first season of Fleabag, where it's a comedy, but there's like a lot of dark material? I would call them both dark comedies, but I would never think of them. I wouldn't be like, oh, if you liked Fleabag, you'll like beef. They, Other than them being in that same genre... I don't think there's really anything too similar. Okay. Uh, no. That being said, <laughs> the way that you don't like Fleabag, mm-hmm. that is the same. The two characters are very unlikable people and you're drawn into their world and you become like implicit in their actions the same way mm-hmm. you feel like you are in Fleabag. That's the same. So I'll say that. Mm. I'm excited to watch. Maybe that'll be a weekend uh, weekend job. It's just a lot. I need to I need to con- just say that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, I don't know, yeah. especially like certain scenes. Just just brace yourself. Just know that. All right. I don't want to give anything away. It yeah. You need to be okay with like some amount of violence. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's my. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good on Your three asterisk favorite show so far. I did. I don't know what the asterisks meant. Um, I'm gonna put it in tomorrow's newsletter and by the time this comes out i think the newsletter will have already gone out so everyone will see my rating so i can just say it and jenny it'll be new for you right now i'm giving it an a plus i realized as i was saying that that was probably really obvious by me saying it was my favorite show of the year but whatever a pluses i have only given out two a pluses wow before i think i'm pretty sure I think most of my – Although I would probably change some of mine from last year to A-pluses in retrospect. I was going to say I think most of my A-pluses have been shows that are like old favorites, like any previously on section. But maybe – Yeah, I gave yeah. Yellow Jackets an A-plus last year after like mm. – Oh, maybe I had – I don't know if I'd finished the season. But I'd probably up my Severance one to an A-plus. And then Ooh, I also yeah. gave The White Lotus an A-plus. Nice. And Over the Garden Wall, obviously. Oh, clearly, yeah. Nice. But anyways, yeah. So what's what's next on your list? Uh, well, I am caught up with Ted Lasso, but you are not. So we will catch up on that later. But I have so many things to say. And I wrote them all down. And that's that. Okay. Uh, great expectations. You flip-flopped a lot. Woo-hoo. The listeners will remember <laughs> you claiming you would never watch this. You'd have to turn over in your grave. And then the next week you're like, eh, maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> so I don't know what you decided on this. Uh, no. Here's the deal. I don't know what came over me the day I said I might watch it mm. because my feelings have consistently, in my own memory, been absolutely not. Okay. Well, it's just it's not not for me. I so far I'm enjoying it. I don't. I won't say too much. I mean, it's not well, like that's it's good. Yeah, it's um, it's not like it's a, a new story. If you are familiar at all, it's a Charles Dickens novel. But I don't know if many people have read it. 
I don't know how many people have read Charles Dickens these we days. We didn't have to read that in high school or college. So yeah, I definitely have not read it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're picking up. Maybe you had a classic kick. Did you read it? Did you read I it have, for fun? You definitely read it for fun. I have read it. I don't know if it was for fun or for feeling of obligation. Well, it wasn't for school. <laughs> no. Are those the only so two categories? You don't it, ever read stuff because you yes. feel like you should. No. That's crazy. Ooh. Other than Pride and Prejudice because you made me. And do you regret it? No. But it did take me three tries. <laughs> and then I was, in the end, happy that I read it. But were you happy that you read Great Expectations? At the time, I think I found it really boring and thought maybe I was dumb and just didn't get it. Uh, but I'm glad that I have the background. Like, I'm glad that I know the references, if that makes any sense. Sometimes reading books like that is, is like show... doing research. What? Oof. Yeah, you're really <laughs> selling it. Is the show a straightforward adaptation or is it like a modernization? It's so, – okay, both and neither. So it's not a modernization in that – it's it's not like any like Baz Luhrmann sort of take on things or even yeah I don't know I don't know where that sentence was going but what I was gonna say is it's it's a modernization in the way that I guess the story is told there are certain things that the production is focusing on that was not focused on as much in the book I'll just quickly say what it's about um, so the gist is that Pip this main character he is an orphan. He's in the beginning living with his uh, sister and then her husband. It's a coming of age story about Pip. And he basically yearns for a quote unquote greater lot in life and is given an opportunity. But then this opportunity is a little bit of a uh, more than he bargained for. Maybe um, there's this mysterious Miss Havisham who he goes to work for and live with and, um, in the in the the description of the show, it says shows him a dark world of possibilities. So, um, yeah, what does that mean, though? I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, but I won't watch it. Right, but I some feel of these like people if will. someone gave me a reason to watch it, maybe I would. But that logline doesn't do it. Maybe I'll, okay, I'll come up with a better one by the time we next have a podcast. But right now, that's all I got. Okay, um, what I was going to say about now that I've gotten that really cryptic um, summary out is. It is modernized sort of in the way that Peaky Blinders felt modern, which I feel like a lot of people might argue it didn't. But I think the way that it was shot was for a modern TV audience rather than like a super faithful adaptation to an old book where every word is the same, every scene is the same. Um, it's sort of like the way that I think people enjoy the 2005 Pride and Prejudice over the very, very true to the book Um I can't remember what year it is, but you know what I'm talking about with Colin Firth. There's the BBC. Sure. <laughs> you know, oh, that does ring a bell. I didn't see any of these. It's bad enough I had to read the book. Oh, God. You said you – okay. You said you enjoyed it. I <laughs> Roll back the tape. Anyway, I'm liking I, – I liked Peaky Blinders. I did get a little bored with Peaky Blinders. I, that There's a risk of that happening with this as well. But um, I really like the way that they're telling the story so far and – yeah, that's that's what I'll say. I don't want to give anything away, but I've only seen two episodes, so I think it's a limited series, though, so not at risk of being Peaky Blinders. Oh, that's boring. that's true. Yeah, yeah, I really had to give not up that a couple Peaky, seasons. I don't. I, not that I agree with that. I didn't actually see Peaky Blinders, but yeah. So what do I know about it? Olivia Coleman? How's oh, she? Oh yeah, I mean that's she's I always great. 
She plays yeah, I figured. the crazy kooky lady. Um, I will say I looked it up before our conversation to see what people were thinking and ratings on Google are bad. People do not like it. I did see that. That's what pushed me firmly into a no, I will not be watching that because if the general pop didn't like it, there's very little chance I was going to. Hmm. What if all of these people are purists? You think all of those critics are great expectations purists (laughs) and that's their problem with it? Bro, be serious. I guess. Wow. I'm going to assume the problem with it is that it's boring. Maybe. If I had to guess. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Now you're kind of making me want to watch it, but I won't be watching it. But just to see, just so I can – I'm just going to say so argued with you. blanket statement. I, when things have a really bad rating, unless the premise sounds like something I don't like, which I guess maybe this is the case for you, but it makes me want to watch it if so many people are giving it like a one-star rating. Oh, I don't – that – yeah, I don't mm. have that okay. issue. <laughs> well, then. Or compulsion. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a no from me. Sometimes I'll watch a show before looking at the reviews and I'll think, wow, this really sucks. Mm. And then I'll see that everyone agrees with me and then I drop it because it's I mean, not getting yes. any better. I'm not going to pretend that doesn't happen to me as well. I, I hear you. It depends on the show. I did watch all of Blockbuster, which was – actually, you know, it got better by the end of the season. Changing so it to an A+. Plus? <laughs> Just kidding. No, absolutely not. I honestly – I looked at that and I realized I gave it a C and I was like, oh, it's very nice of me. <laughs> uh what did that make me think of just now? Extrapolations, which oh, yeah, I you- think we talked about on a previous check-in because I watched the first three episodes a couple – like last week or two weeks ago when it came out. But I made a TikTok where I said it's not worth watching because I watched those three episodes and I was like, wow, this is bad. And I did a review last week in the newsletter if anybody needs to go back and see what I thought about it. But yeah, a lot of people – a decent number of people arguing with me that it is worth watching. So – now I'm thinking I might go and watch the additional episodes that are out just in case they're better. Do these know. people give Maybe any indication wrong. that they had seen like, oh, you have to wait till these episodes or anything like that? No. Oh. So they could just be of a different opinion than me, but I figured I should give it more of a chance because an anthology series two is so tricky. What if the first three episodes are just the worst episodes? Yeah. The first one was definitely the worst. I'm just Bummer. I'm, I haven't seen I've only I've still only seen three, but there's no way it gets worse than that. Anyway, I didn't mean to be talking about extrapolations. <laughs> Are okay. you done with great expectations? I am, yeah. I'll have more to say maybe okay. next time. I watched three new shows last Friday. Three new shows came out, and I watched the first episode of each of them. And one of them was Transatlantic. Okay. The other was Tiny Beautiful Things. And the other was Jury Duty. And I haven't gone back and watched any more of any of those three. But if I were going to watch more of one of them, which I will, Tiny Beautiful Things was surprisingly good. Wow. Have you any interest in that one? Uh, yeah, vaguely. But I had not um, not gone for it because I think you had listed it as a just tag show. So Yeah, I wasn't thinking it would be, but then Catherine Hahn pulled me in because I knew it couldn't be that bad Mm -hmm. with her in the lead. For the listeners, and maybe you, I don't know how much you know about it. It's based on a Cheryl Strayed book. She wrote Wild, that movie that became a Reese Witherspoon movie. This book, though, was a – it was like an adaptation of her advice column. that She Mm -hmm. actually – like Cheryl Strayed herself wrote an advice column, and then she pulled this book together. I think she just – 
pulled pieces from the advice column. I don't know if it reads like like epistolary or if it reads like a novel. Mm -hmm. I haven't read it and I didn't look that up. But the show is a loose adaptation of that book. So it stars Catherine Hahn as a woman who writes an advice column. Her life's sort of falling apart. It's clearly got a sad tone to it. I was worried that it would be over sentimental and maudlin and like trying to manipulate me into crying. Mm -hmm. Like this is us or shows like that, mm -hmm. that like, you know, you're there to cry. Yeah, the emotional point. It wasn't yeah. that. Yeah. It wasn't as much of that in the first episode as I expected. And actually I think in large part to Catherine Hahn's performance, it was kind of light and comedic in a lot of places in a way that I loved. And I think she does such a good job with that sort of humor mm -hmm. and just that role. And she was cast so perfectly. And yeah, I definitely want to see more of it. I don't think it'll be like top tier television, but it, it, yeah, it was way better than I expected. The way you just described it made it sound a lot like um, shrinking. The premise of yeah. someone trying I will to give say, up people's it's definitely, It is. It's still, it's a mix of that you know, poignant and comic, mm -hmm. but it's definitely, um, it's definitely heavier on the emotional, like let's unpack the trauma. And it even has like a flashback sequence that I think actually they're going to bring back throughout the whole season. It's basically flashback sequences of her childhood and her, and her mother. I, I won't, I won't say too much, but, and those are interspersed with her current life. And yeah, I, I mean, it's not, trying to make me cry in the way that I thought it was going to, but it's definitely still like watch this if you want to cry. Got it. Much more than like shrinking and Ted Lasso are. It's been so heavily advertised to me. Like on – Yeah, it's on Hulu. I didn't say that. Uh, I feel like I've gotten some ads from it too. Yeah, I mean I think it's Hello Sunshine, Reese Witherspoon's production company based on a Cheryl Strayed book. Wild was like huge when it came oh, out. Yeah. And Catherine Hahn is having a moment. So I think this was, yeah, Hulu felt confident in <laughs> marketing this one. Although I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about it. I think just because it's just, it is exactly what, you know, it is what it it's is. Kind it's kind of a specific a, watch niche if you want to cry. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Though. Uh, I, I think probably check it out. People, I think people will like it though. Yeah. And they're only 30 minute episodes, which just, Speaks to me. <laughs> an easy I love in a thirty-minute episode. Same. Yeah, it's just an it's an easy watch, but it's an easy watch for when you want to cry. Yeah, I also so it's not a, it's not a super uplifting. Gotcha. I also saw a decent number of advertisements um, for Jury Duty, which I was a little bit surprised about. Yes, that was the other one I mentioned. It's gotten a lot of like. I don't know if this is just because I'm in this world on TikTok, but I feel like I've seen a lot of TikToks about it, like mm -hmm. people clipping parts from the show and just being like, this new show is so funny. It's got a lot of, I don't know, sort of just laugh out loud jokes and easy setups and very almost Parks and Rec-esque humor at times, especially if you think about like the Parks and Rec town hall scenes where it was just like citizens saying cookie things. It's sort of that type of humor. So it's a prank, like a hidden camera prank style show. It's, I know you know this, but for for our folks at home, it's a jury. It's a bunch of actors playing at a trial. But there's one guy on the jury who does not know that he's on a, a TV set. He thinks he's actually serving jury duty. And throughout the show, he continues to think, He's he's on a reality show about the 
like jury process in the US. So that's why he's like, you know, that's why there are cameras around and he's not surprised by that, but he just doesn't know that it's scripted. So that's the prank aspect of it. My my take on the show, and I've only I've only seen the first episode, is that it is funny. Unfortunately, I'd seen all the funny parts on TikTok mm. before I watched it. So I was like, yeah, this is funny, but I'm not laughing out loud because I've seen this already. But that happens. It's it's got James Marsden in it, who I like. Uh he's playing himself. So that's one of the main jokes is like he stands up and he says, I shouldn't be on this jury because I'm a recognizable public figure. And the judge says, respectfully, I don't recognize you. <laughs> and that's 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 the whole joke. But yeah, like yeah, it yeah. is funny, but I'd already seen it before I watched it. But no, James Marsden is great in it so far. I like the concept. My issue with it is that the humor of like an ensemble comedy for me really works. I love ensemble comedies, but it's, you know, you buy into these characters who are clearly larger than life, but you buy into them because in the you're world. getting yourself wrapped up in this world. Yeah. When in this structure, we know that it's scripted. Of course, you always know an ensemble comedy is scripted, but you know that it's scripted and fake and you're supposed to sort of put yourself in the mind of the guy who's a real guy and not an actor and see the world through his eyes. And all of the humor comes from that perspective. So when you take him out of the equation, like the, the jokes aren't funny to me. Like two characters having a scripted funny moment is no longer funny to me because I know it's scripted. This is so hard to explain, but there's something about it that's not working. I don't know if that made sense. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'd have to see an episode to actually, but but I kind of get what you're saying. It's it's like trying to do too many le- levels of abstraction in your in your. I think. Yeah, and I think the only parts that are really funny to me so far are when we're literally just watching the real guy's face as crazy stuff happens because that's the only lens of comedy here is how he is perceiving this when he thinks it's real but we know it's fake. So in moments where it's like two of the actors having a funny scene together, I'm like, why is this even here? Because where's the real guy and where's his reaction to this happening? Because otherwise it's just – it's it's not part of the show. I don't, it doesn't yeah, fit with the weird. structure of the show. I'm a little confused by it, honestly. Everybody else seems to like it a lot more than I'm liking it. Hmm. So if that sounds like up your alley, folks, check that one out on Freebie, which is owned by Amazon. You can also watch it on Prime Video. Uh, do you watch anything else? Uh, I watched Well Mania and Unstable, two comedies on Netflix. I like them both. I don't need to get into them too much because I feel like I've just spoken a lot. But Unstable stars Rob Lowe and his real life son. Mm, right. It's not great. It's not amazing. But if you like Rob Lowe, like it's a comforting little comedy. And While Mania is an Australian comedy that's actually really funny and very like if you like Australian comedy, which I do, I think you'll like it. Yeah, yeah. I saw that and um, I think someone had compared it to The Letdown, which is another Netflix Australian comedy that I really enjoyed and maybe wrote about in the newsletter. I'll have to check our database and see if that's true. Yeah, I think you did. That sounds familiar. Yeah, but I loved loved The Letdown. I mean, clearly we've talked about, I mean, Class of 07 and Please Like Me and a host of other um, Australian comedies. But yeah, I will definitely be watching. Yeah, Well Mania isn't touching class of 07 in terms in terms of how much i'm liking it i will say (laughs) just to lower your expectations it's but it is good it's another one that's like it's just a nice little comedy to have on Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely better than than the other one i just mentioned unstable 
it's clever. It's just it, it has a there are some aspects of it that aren't quite working. Like the main character's like whole storyline is very implausible. So you just really have to like suspend your disbelief. The comedy is there, but the plot itself is like a little odd. So yeah, that's what I'll say. All right, cool. I have nothing else um, unless you want to go watch Ted Lasso real quick and we just (laughs) talk about it now. (laughs) No, I'm going to do that tonight. And yeah, and then we can catch up on that this weekend. Cool. Sounds good. Then talk to you then. Catch all the listeners in our next episode. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen.